What's Up Whittier? Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. What's up, Whittier? Dun da da da. Remo, you like that? It was good. Uh, I'm practicing. Yeah. You know what? I've gotten compliments on the last one, so yep. I, I thought I'd step ex- it up. That's exactly what I was going to say, man. You're uh, you have to start stepping it up every single time we meet. Of course, well, this this uh, glass in my hand is going to help, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> but just keep in mind, we're not paying any any uh, royalties on this thing. So. All right, so. <laughs> Jack Daniels, we don't want you to send us a platinum label yeah. bottle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, obviously, we're we're off location again. Yeah. Uh, beautiful setting, by the way. Yeah, I, I, this is good. I feel like I should be eating grapes or something. <laughs> like you know what's funny? <laughs> no, no, no. See, <laughs> the the funny thing is that we're we're in Uptown. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like no. you're in Uptown. Not at all. It, it feels like you're somewhere else. Uh, you know, especially with the aromas we got going on. Yeah. We got some whiskey. We got some uh, some cigars. Which you uh, got some whiskey, Jesse. I'm drinking water, everybody. <laughs> Just so you know, you're, mineral water. You're drinking water with some uh, whiskey. With some, I'm drinking ice cubes with whiskey. <laughs> A splash of whiskey, man. Remo, where are we at? Uh, you know, I would like to say, should I give an actual location? No. So we're in in the courtyard of of a nice setting. And, um, yeah, we have a special guest today. Um, Robert, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Robert Ruiz, uh, owner of Melrose Vintage in Uptown Whittier. We're going on 31 years this year. No way, really? Yeah. All, all 31 years here in Uptown? Or, yeah, or? all of them in Uptown. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's a long stretch. <laughs> it is. It's a, a, lot of, a lot of different uh, a lot of different versions of the business, a lot of different... Uh, transitions that we've yeah. done especially since covid yeah um and just making the business over and over again to stay relevant but more so to stay alive yeah, yeah. and we, we're interviewing not on site of uh, do you want to say your address your physical location and everything <laughs> not here but of, oh, of the, vintage the 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 store is located at 13009 philadelphia street in uptown whittier um and it's right next door to starbucks yeah. on philadelphia and mr yeah. sandwich right it's yeah right it's across street from the brewery got it uh, yeah. yeah no welcome uh yeah. thank you for coming on um obviously with that 31 year history uh i'm pretty sure there's a lot we could talk about yeah. uh but we'll, we'll try to stay focused for everybody who's listening uh if you want to just kind of touch or, or gloss over what what melrose vintage is and then we'll get a little bit into deeper conversation so so melrose vintage is actually um for, for the for those that know the business um it's it's actually the legal name's Melrose Co. We we add vintage for the vintage side of stuff, but we sell a lot of new uh, accessories and new product as well. the The store is a recycling based company that sells recycled clothes that's been washed, altered, and remade somehow or somehow uh, repaired. And uh, we try to offer clothing relevant to the youth of today. So that's why we have to keep remaking what we're doing to see what's relevant in the marketplace. Fortunately, one of our main providers uh, sells to the largest reseller in the U.S. for vintage clothing. And I don't want to mention their names, but uh, we end up uh, getting inspired by a lot of what they're doing. 
uh, in the retail marketplace so that it, it, it helps us inspire uh, our development of our products. So, so what is, um, I guess, re, uh, the term you use, recycled, yeah. what does that mean? What, what's the process? So, so if someone were to think of going to a thrift store, going to an estate sale, buying something used, that's, that's pretty much uh, what we gather, but we do it in mass volume. So uh, we buy from mills that actually sort clothing in mass. So if you can imagine all of the Goodwills in America, all of the charities, Salvation Army and everything else, when they do collection, they don't stop. It's a seven-day-a-week collection that they do. Mm-hmm. Less than 10% of what they collect actually goes to retail. Wow. The lion's share of what they collect goes to uh, vendors that then re sort it, they distribute it. All of that's called credential clothing. The credential is sorted into big groupings. These are pants, these are blouses, these are dresses, these are uh, bric-a-brac or home items. Those are then resorted again uh, and sold to uh, charities. They're sold to, um, you know, third world countries, um, which, by the way, Africa has now said we don't want anymore. Um, Um. Now Thailand and China are moving into the market place and China's paying very high. So uh, a lot of South America purchase, purchases a lot of used clothing. Uh, so I go to the sorting houses that actually sort these things and we get to pick through, uh, pay an extremely high rate, um, actually more than retail, but we're able to get it on volume. We're able to buy it on mass. Mm-hmm. So we can go to a one-stop shop and buy a thousand pounds of clothing. Is that how clothes is sold? It's typically sold by the piece, but we have enough volume that we buy by the pound. So we're we're able to buy by the pound, and in doing so, um, we now kind of supplement the cost for third world nations. So we're because we're paying so high on that, it cuts the cost from the distributor, and we're able to um, gather what we need for our retail market, which the American market is very discerning, very discriminant. They, they want very uh, labeled, branded uh, items of high quality. So you can't really sell garbage or Walmart branded type clothes. You have to sell something of, of the higher mm-hmm. end uh, at a reasonable rate. And the problem is, what is reasonable? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and, and that's, that's us pushing that margin of just trying to make enough we, we work on a uh, 18% margin. So we, even though people think we're making a killing because the prices are so extraordinarily high, we pay a living wage. All of our employees are paid extremely well. Um, we try to adapt to the market as quickly as possible and try to remake things in a relevant manner to where the consumer feels that they can't live without that item. Yeah. And the best part is the consumer is a young consumer. So the ages that we primarily target are age 12, 13 to 16. So wow. that's the core of our business. Which, by the way, uh, a news article in Time Magazine back in the 90s uh, said the number one, um, the number one 100% disposable income bracket was the bracket I just mentioned. No so way. at that point, that became my target audience. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so I've been to your store. I've got a couple of shorts, shirts there. 
Um, and it re- took me back to my old days. Your youth. When uh, we used to go down to Melrose. Yeah, Melrose you know, Avenue, yeah. And uh, go get some vintage shirts, which at that time, you know, we were going for vintage, vintage. <laughs> so, so it's interesting that you're saying that. W- one of the people that helped start the business, I had two major, if you will, the godfathers that got me in the business. Uh, one of them was Coco Kalajian, which was the king of denim. He was the man that sold Levi's. And Coco um, actually introduced me to the used clothing business. The second person that really helped me along my path was uh, uh, Joseph, which they used to call Hippie Joe. And he owned Artworks on Melrose Avenue. Mm-hmm. And he had several locations. And both of them really encouraged me on my path um, by facilitating uh, wholesaling and helping me target and be smart on how I buy and how I sell. Mm. Um, the idea of trying to make a killing on one item, that's sheer insanity. It's better to do volume. Yeah. Uh, so since then, that's our, our whole uh, emphasis at the store is to lend value on a, on a mass scale, not to kill people on individual items. We have some high-priced items that we put online that are highly desirable, but everything's pretty reasonable. You can pretty yeah. much double... Double the price if you put it on Etsy. Yeah, I walked in one time. Uh, I was I was gonna have a dinner date, and obviously I didn't want to go home and switch clothes, and so I just went ran across the street. <laughs> I was there for one shirt. I ended up walking out with like four. <laughs> uh, and my wife. Looks I hope at you me. got a value. I hope you got a good deal. Well, my it, just for the shirt, I was like, what? <laughs> like, how did I not know this was here? You know, like. Um, yeah, I walk, walk. I get home with four shirts. The wife's like, "What? You know, when did you have <laughs> there time? better be one there for me." <laughs> She's like, "When did you have time to go shopping?" You know, yeah. it's like, uh, but but again, it's not just for women, right. uh, Or teenagers. I mean, it's a male, female, right. and or seniors, or yeah. <laughs> like Jesse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny you say that. Um, the the men typically are surprised that we have men's clothing, and we don't really promote it because the volume isn't there. So we try not to expand that market because we barely have enough for the people we have. Yeah. So people like you, um, uh, and I have others like you, local yeah. business owners, that are really good um, at swinging by and looking at finds. Um, Mike over at 6740 loves to get his shirts at our place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells everyone where he got the shirt. He's like free advertising. I was going to say, that guy always has the coolest shirts. <laughs> and every time I ask him, I'd say, nice shirt, man. Yep, Marl's Vintage. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Jay, Jay and Nakomi are great customers as well uh, over at Flight. Nice. Um, and we're talking about old friends, people yeah, that yeah. I've known forever yeah. uh, in the community. And that's one of the great things about being in Whittier as a choice and being part of this community. I mean, it just really speaks to who we are as, as a community. Yeah. Um, no matter how hard things are, when COVID hit, it was so hard. You know, heartening, not disheartening, but heartening. It was something that I didn't expect or anticipate to have people line up out the door begging me not to go out of business uh, and spending money, you know, voting with the dollar and really just helping small business and inspiring and encouraging. I mean, it just makes me happy to be part of Whittier. Um, People really, they know who you are. They know... They know what you do, and and they appreciate what you do. And sadly, it also comes with accountability and responsibility, yeah. because in that, 
if you're the opposite, if, if you aren't a good steward, if you aren't someone that relates to the community, I think Whittier will also punish you. Yeah. It's a small community. <laughs> it's a small yeah. community. Or it's good and it's bad. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's good for the good and bad for the bad. Yeah. Um, I think Whittier is a great place to do business, and I tell all my friends that. Um, I, I love it. I absolutely love it, and I'm thankful for the customers, and I'm thankful. I, I still believe we have the best customers in all of Whittier. Yeah. Um, generations of customers. Yeah. So it, it, it makes me proud and happy. So I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful. Yeah. What, what, um, what originally brought you to having a store like that? Like, again, that's a store that belongs or you would see more in Hollywood area, right? So um, it's interesting you say that, Jesse. So I started in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So in the 70s was when um, my journey started in, in used clothing. And it was a very simple journey of, of buying clothes, washing it, repairing it, destaining it, patching it. And reselling it. And I would sell it at flea markets. I would sell it at, uh, I started at the Starlight uh, Swamp Meet. Um, wow. And I moved over to La Mirada Swamp Meet, the Santa Fe Springs now. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up at the Rose Bowl. And from there I said, wait a second, I, I need to find a spot. And, you know, Greenleaf still has great value for retail. Yeah. You can get incredible value uh, retail space. Uh it, it, it almost doesn't make sense how cheap the, the retail is. And uh, recently I just signed a 20-year lease um, next door, across the street from 6740. 6739 is going to be our new retail location. Um, and that's the one that says, I love Whittier. So, what, what was it before? It was a coin store. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and, and actually I hired, retail place. I hired Jesse... To be my architect. Bad move. Bad move. No, it was great. (laughs) You helped me with the architecture for restoration of a destroyed building. Yeah. And now we have a masterpiece. I mean, really, it came out magnificent. Um, Which building? Are you allowed to say which building it is? Yeah. Yeah, 6739. It's right next door to the old bottle room across the street from 6740. So that's going to be our new space. Oh, is it downstairs? No, it's not downstairs. It's right across in the big window, and it says, I love Whittier. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those like hidden gems, you know. I mean, here in, in Uptown Whittier or Whittier in general, there's a lot of histor- historic buildings mm-hmm. where they really kind of, you know, you talk about craftsmanship and detailing. Uh, most of the spaces have indoor and outdoor uh, kind of detailing, and this was one of those spaces where Robert was like, "I want to take the, I want to blow the ceiling." I'm like, "Why?" Yeah, it's then, all like, vaulted. And then he opened it up. I'm like, <laughs> "Oh man, you know, like nice." Looks like Carnegie Hall. Yeah, man. It, again, I, I think once you get the store open, it'll definitely be a place to oh, go I, check out. I, and, and I'm so happy that I got a 20-year lease. And I'm really happy for what was displaced uh, because there was that Nazi paraphernalia yeah, in the window. Yeah. I remember. Now that you say that, now I remember that about four years ago or something. Yeah. yeah. There, there were so many people in the Latin community and, and in the regular community, obviously, and just in Whittier in general, that tried to buy or purchase those yeah. uh, those relics. But they were just display only, right? In our community, in our community, guys. I mean, we're seeing what's happening in Russia right now, and it's heart-wrenching. It's absolutely heart-wrenching. But thankfully, uh, I thought, what would be more apropos than putting I Love Whittier in the window to displace that bad juju? And and, uh, sadly, the, the entire supply chain issue was hitting me when i hired you mm-hmm. uh which was two years ago yeah uh so i've been paying rent there for two years wow. but our supply chain starting to get 
hopefully picked up a little. We're doing a little more, a little, a little more better on on our resource. Yeah. So we're getting a little more resource. Nice. Um, but hopefully it'll be open soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so going back to the, again, why Whittier? I mean, is there and why vintage clothes in Whittier? Because so, so I I grew up in Whittier. Uh-huh. I, I um, you know I, I went to Lake uh, Lake Marie. Uh, no, she's. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember all of all of the great schools I, uh, I, think I the went to. Johnny Walker's kicking. Yeah, the, the Johnny Walker's. <laughs> no, I, I did. I went to Lake Maria. I went to um, uh, 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 middle schools out here, uh, Michigan, and and um, went over here to uh, Lucerna. And I, I grew up in the area. Uh, went off and and did some work, but it came down to after doing Rose Bowl and everything else, getting a really low price location living with my parents at the time i thought you know what this is a value i, I can use this as a wholesale outlet uh worst case scenario even if i'm open one day a week i can pay the rent it's not a big deal and that turned into a business that has really sustained itself and um fortunately the contracts that i have for purchasing they're decades old so these are people i've been doing business with for decades and decades and because of that, it's kind of unfair play because I'm able to really buy at levels that people normally can't buy. Yeah. And the reason is it's the way people buy. If you were to see this in person, we have some videos online at our MV Girls on Instagram. But if you were to see it in person, um, people will go through tons, literally tons and piles of clothing and pull out two pieces. Yeah. And to me, it's like, what are you getting paid an hour to go through two and a half tons of clothing to pull out two pieces? Yeah. I mean, you're not valuing your time at that point. Now I throw labor at it. Yeah. yeah. So imagine if, if, if we're not pulling out a couple hundred pounds, my math does not work. Yeah. Um, so fortunately we're able to really dig and, and buy, buy deep. There are people ahead of us. So I always buy the second rounds or the third rounds of clothing. Which is fine. I mean, we're not in Beverly Hills. We're not on the west side. We sell to local kids. We sell to people as far south as Orange County, as far north as Glendale area. Um, but the value that we lend is only found by way of buying things that are less than perfect. And then our wash and our repairing and everything else kind of brings it up to par. Yeah. And when you sell as far north as and south as you mentioned, is it online sales? Or no, people no, no. These people come in. in. No, the furthest that we sell online is Sweden, Switzerland. We sell to Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong, China. Um, and you're putting them Japan. in boxes and shipping yeah, them shipping. out? Yeah, wow. shipping. Yeah, we ship it out. Um, wow. South America. We, we sell globally, but that's not the core of our customer. We'll yeah. have one or two. And we're thankful for all of them. We're thankful for all the customers that we have. But the real people that keep us alive are the high schoolers and the grade schoolers that are local and the parents. You know, there's a lot of trust that a parent has to be able to go into a store and trust the store enough during COVID Yeah. to be able to trust their child to be safe in an environment, to be really okay to go shopping. And because we've been so hyper-focused on the cleanliness, on the masking, on the wiping down, on the cleaning 
down. We, we've had zero COVID outbreaks nice. during the entire time that we've been open during COVID. Thank God. Hopefully I didn't jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> COVID's over now yeah. because politically it's over. We, we pray. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm right. Just kidding. Right. That's another conversation. Yeah. It's not convenient anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, just kidding. Robert, obviously, we've talked about the vintage uh, clothing that you got going on. Um, obviously, male, female, and all that stuff. Um, it, it, you know, again, I went in there, picked up a couple shirts. What is it that you guys are constantly, uh, you know, re- having to resupply? Is it the jeans? Is I, it the jackets? I, I wish, I wish there was a place that you could call and say, "I need vintage denim jackets. I need vintage denim jeans at a price that was so affordable that we could resell it at a reasonable price." But there isn't. So it's always those basics that everyone wants, those nice Pendleton jackets and coats, those yeah. nice heavy um, heavy pieces, you know, the leather pieces and yeah. the, the really unique items, the, the, the nice jeans that are from the 60s and all of that really good, neat stuff that it's really hard to come by. Yeah. So we get stuff on mass from the 80s. The second it goes down to 70s and 60s, it becomes a wall hanger. And, and we'll hang it up and, and put it up. Now it's starting to get to the 80s. Now if it's from the 80s, we put it up. It's still vintage, right? That's <laughs> when you were in high school, yeah. right? Just yeah. <laughs> Both of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, uh, again, when I walked in, it, again, it took me back to when I used to go shopping. It was like, I'm like, man, I wish it, you know, if there was, because I had to drive, you know, from yeah. Whittier to Hollywood or if I could just drive down the street and, yeah. and you know, get my shopping, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Robert, uh, in terms of, uh, obviously, we talked about how you, you got into this, but uh, what drives you? I mean, what, what, what drives you to keep doing what you're doing? Um, I, I, don't know, I know you have a pretty interesting uh, kind of upbringing uh, in terms of where, where you've been, uh, where you've kind of toured. Uh, you want to share some of that stuff with us? Or? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm your typical East L.A. kid. Um, I, I grew up here. My parents are uh, immigrants. Uh, so... I grew up different, you know. Um, English is my second language. I am thankful for the opportunity to live in America. I am an American citizen because I was born here. But it, the culture is different. It, it, it's a different uh, way of growing up. And I understood that in Whittier, that was almost everyone's story. Everyone's story is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, people moved to Whittier because it was kind of the, what do they call it? The Mexican, pot. they called it the Mexican Mayberry. That's, <laughs> that's what they called it. And, and it truly is. It's, it's, it's the nice part of East LA. We're yeah. still in the Eastern part of Los Angeles. Uh, it's where the merger happens between haves and have nots. Yeah. There are people that live on the Hill. I don't live on the Hill, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here and, and have a unique American experience that's uniquely shared with everyone in the community. Yeah. Um, and and that, to me, inspires me because we have neighbors. I, I live so close to the store, I can walk to the store, and yet what should be no more than a 10-minute walk sometimes takes 45 minutes because on the way there, I'll see two or three people that I grew up with, yeah. either from high school, grade school, or customers. And, you know... That means a lot. Anytime I go to the 40, anytime I go to the brewery, anytime I go to the Mimos Cafe or whatever it is, any of the local places, California Grill, whatever it is, you always see a friendly face. You always see a friend, a family friend, a family member, someone. There's someone connected. 
And you know what? That drives me. It really does. And it drives me to the point that I want to be an impact to the community. I want to be a positive effect, which is why I'm part of the Witterhost Lions. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on their board. I'm grateful that enough trust was put in me that we're able to argue about where money goes and and donate to to the marginal and donate to people that need it. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it's important. It's important that we embrace our community and that we're part of it. We have to engage our community. And that really inspires me. It inspires me to, to be an encouragement to the next generation. Uh, a new kid around the, around the corner, uh, his name's Ricky. He owns a place called Raghouse. And he started. And he came to me and said, hey, man, I used to be a customer of yours, and I opened up a shop. Nice. And I said, wow, Ricky, congratulations. And it's inspiring to hear the stories of, of people going through your struggle yeah. in, in a different, it's a different interpretation of what we do. He focuses on the, uh, and, and I hate to label it, but it's more like a sneakerhead community. And, and he focuses it on a very uh, cool, young, trendy um, kind of look, which is what's happening in Hollywood. But, you know, it's so encouraging. It's encouraging to see all of that new generation come in and, and really push it to the next level because yeah. Honestly, I can only reach a certain level where I'm at because my mind, I can't keep, I can't keep going new, 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 new in new directions. I'm kind of not stuck, but, but we're definitely found our niche and, yeah. and that's where we're comfortable. Now, uniquely, you, you, you spoke about travel and, and, and doing other things like that. Uniquely, as far as the travel goes, because I've been in the industry so long, now there's industry leaders that are leaders abroad and I'm able to go to these industry leaders and talk to them and share with them, which we have friends from Barcelona. We have friends in France and the one in Barcelona, Daniel, he owns Flamingo's vintage, which is the largest vintage dealer retailer in, in, in Europe. He has 36 stores. Wow. And, and that guy owns a place in Texas where he actually sorts the clothing and he provides for us some of our vintage clothing. Um, before it goes abroad. And the other one uh, is Bernard. Bernard is actually the largest uh, vintage dealer in the world. He's got a million square foot facility, and it's in the north of France in Rhone. And uh, boy, to just be able to make a phone call, talk to the guy and visit, it's, it's a unique privilege to be able to be around so long that these are now mates, these are now friends yeah, and yeah. colleagues. And here we are, a little retail, nothing store in Whittier, <laughs> yeah. and we have the biggest brass in, in, uh, in the world yeah. that we correlate with, you know, we, we, we collaborate with. It's really neat. Wow, wow. And, and all this is just absolutely mind-blowing because being here local to Whittier and hearing that, that, we're, that you're obviously connected to so many different things and this industry that... You know, most of the time, as far as me buying clothes, it's it's limited. I mean, I probably haven't bought an article of clothes in five years. You know, uh, unless my wife I bought it. You know, and my wife's been in your store multiple times. Oh, really? Yeah, she has. Yeah, wonderful. And um, just to hear that is just like how connected the world really is, even though it's you know on a different side of, of of the world. So this is now. Now, Jesse mentioned that. You have more of a background in, in other things that maybe you might be open to sharing, which was... Well, again, growing up in East L.A., you, you, you grow up and, and you try to do whatever you can do. Okay. I was actually nominated uh, 
for Whittier Host Lions from a former senator that um, nominated me because when I was a kid, my father got his citizenship because of Ronald Reagan. And it was because of Reagan that uh, he allowed uh, immigrants to get their, their citizenship. And it was very interesting to me as a, as a young man to be able to hear about this pro-immigrant group of people. And I wasn't the only one at the time. There was a lot of, a lot of people that joined in uh, during that time that were immigrant in the immigrant community that fell in love with this idea of, of hey, let's, let's get immigrants uh, on board and become American citizens. And to me, that was what I consider the true Republican Party, which was a group of immigrants that had one focus to become an American citizen and be able to create their own American dream. Obviously, that's kind of changed now, but uh, unfortunately. But, but that kind of is where my background started. A uh, former senator helped me out um, uh, with some political work that I did, and I ended up uh, working in D.C. for a while. And that was a little bit of that variant thing. I ended up uh, traveling abroad a lot, uh, not due to government, but as you start escalating the different um, social levels, and you're now, instead of around a bunch of immigrants, now you're around a bunch of businessmen, and then you're around heads of state and people of power, you start to see the world a little differently. Yeah. Uh, and as you start to see the world a little differently, those barriers or boundaries that are in your mind fall down and you start traveling. So at a very young age, I traveled to China. I spent six months there at 16 years old. Um, And when I... By yourself? uh, I was there with a businessman, which introduced me to the Chinese market and I was able to trade. I was in in, uh, Hong Kong, Guangzhou, Kowloon. Yeah, it was Hong Kong, Kowloon, Guangzhou. So Guangzhou is New Canton. And I was selling uh, T-shirts. So at sixteen years, yeah, old. yeah, sixteen years old, selling from East LA. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I grew up in, in LA General. Yeah. I mean, talk yeah. about East LA. Yeah. My favorite taco shop is at a, a, is is in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's it's one of those things you, you look at, and like I said, it goes back to the opportunity. But sadly, when you have when you live in an echo chamber. All you hear is what you hear over and over and over again. And unless you take away your opinion, forget about what you believe personally, who you are, what you do, and you get placed in all these different opportunities, your mind can expand and your, I wouldn't say your opinions change, but your perspective changes uh, with your unique opinion uh, on those perspectives. And it's, it's quite interesting to me because it's not really... And, and this goes now to political discussion. To me, it's not about simply this idea that was talked about for for the last year or so. Uh, it was about um, really what is opportunity to the lower class, or what is what is inequality to uh, or injustice to immigrants or people of color. Um, now the question becomes, well. It doesn't all of that have to do with money because isn't money the great equalizer if you can make more if you can do more you're allowed you're permitted to go to a different social level you're permitted to partake in different arenas and do different things yeah and 
why I really push any kid in school or anyone I meet to get educated. Go to school. Get a degree. Get enhanced. Well, I don't need to go to school. I don't need it. Well, you don't. You're right. It's just going to be more challenging. Yeah. Um, do what you can so that you have more opportunities uh, in the future to be able to participate and partake. Yeah. Uh, not to get offended by people in a room because they're wealthy and Republican or whatever they might be. Don't get offended by the person. Learn from the person. See what they do. What what can what can they teach you? Yeah. Um, and and I think in that there's a common core of humanity. Yeah. Because if we can get to the human humanity place where now we're dealing with two people versus different people. Yeah. Now now the humanity takes over. But sadly, since COVID, we've lost a lot of our humanity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People are very indecent. They're very unkind. Yeah. They're disconnected. Very, they're very disconnected. And and that, that's that's disheartening for me. Can you talk about your DC kind of uh, um, travels or, or, or what you were doing out there? Because again, I, I I know we initially started talking about trying to talk about Melrose Vintage yeah. in the shop, yeah. uh, but but again, I think you have a pretty interesting uh, upbringing and travels, which is what I was referring to. So so I I learned I learned very early on that politics are apolitical, and. What I mean by that is nowhere in my travels when I worked in government, and, and it wasn't even worked in government. I was, I was someone that would volunteer in government and then get paid. So it wasn't like I was hired uh, to, to do something. It, it was on a, on a basis of, of, of work and pay. So, and and uh, that could be either by per diem or get paid per trip or however that worked. But... Interestingly enough, uh, I did a lot of work with the cabinet uh, cabinet secretaries, and uh, did did work with press avails and and doing uh, trips uh, to help uh, to help the cabinet secretaries uh, do the job that they had to do. Um, and it was an honor for me to be able to work with Dr. Condoleezza Rice and uh, with uh, General Scowcroft and and uh, w- with people that you read about in the news, but I knew them on a human level. Mm-hmm. So I knew them on a personal level, which when you start to understand the humanity, I'm telling you, it's very apolitical. You get to learn personalities and these personalities are people that are volunteers that really push for community involvement, that really push for you to be the effectual change in your community. And it was very inspiring. It was very inspiring to, to be able to sit in, in the White House and and be able to see a, a speech or having one of my biggest memories has to do with Barbara Bush um, hearing some disparaging words that someone t- said um, some, because I was I was one of the few Latin kids and I, I was rather tan at the time she heard something and and she immediately rebuked the person grabbed me by the shoulder and said, you're sitting next to me, Robert, and honored. This is Barbara Bush, Barbara first Bush lady. Senior, first lady, yeah. former George Bush, uh, yeah. wife of former George Bush, uh, president of 41. He was a great guy, a real sweetheart, cared about Latin community, cared about uh, roundtable discussions, really 
now you have to remember, people knew him through the press, through the media, and you're talking about a guy that knew him on a on a different level. So I see the family as a very caring, compassionate family towards Latinos, cares about the immigrant, cares about the population, cares about growth, cares about education. And I know that's not what was portrayed, but to, to me, I And he was a Republican. Absolutely. So you would not expect... Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and in defense, I mean, they would defend the little guy. They would defend the the latino groups and and the mexican community and and that that's really unique to be able to see that firsthand perspective mm-hmm. to be able to see that um it's I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way i i was the guy that got the coffee and the ice and made the photocopies so i wasn't making policy i wasn't doing things on on a on a high level but i worked with people that were and it was it was an honor, but I was able to be in rooms, be that fly on the wall, yeah. to hear James Baker uh, screaming and George Bush screaming back. Um, my actually my first cigar, my first cigar I had uh, with uh, John Sununu. I used to buy his cigars every morning. He's a former White House chief of staff, uh, and he was governor. And John Sununu would have me buy every Monday. I'd buy a, a box of Macanudo cigars. And every Monday, he'd give me a cigar. And every Monday, uh, I would give the cigar to uh, the driver of the presidential limo. Wow. And his name was Tony. And I would give Tony the, the cigar. And, and every Monday morning, that's how the, the routine would go. And I used to walk Millie, their little dog. I used to walk Millie. And Barbara would get so upset because the first lady would, would want um, the press secretary uh, to walk for whatever reason, Marlon Fitzwater, <laughs> she'd want the press secretary to walk her dog, and, and here I would walk it. Um, but it's so funny because when John Sununu found out through Tony, he goes, hey, you're smoking the same cigar I like. He goes, yeah, your, your helper, your driver gives me the cigar every Monday. So John sat, sits me down one Monday, and he goes, hey, Robert, here's a cigar. I go, hey, thanks. He goes, no, you're going to sit down. You're going to smoke with me. <laughs> And I go, excuse me? He yeah. goes, you've been giving away the cigars, haven't you? Yeah. I said, well, yeah, I was a kid. I, yeah, I, I've been giving away cigars. And he says, no, 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 no. You're going to sit down. And this is what's so funny. So who was in the room? Dick Cheney sitting next to me. No, no way. way. I, got, I got John Sununu behind me. On the other side is General Skullcroft with Condoleezza Rice. And it's the first time I had a highball, which is what I shared with you guys today. And the first time I had a cigar. Wow. So this is reminiscence for me. This is this is yeah. something that I love doing, but more so having the opportunity. What kid from East L.A. Oh, you kidding? Gets to be in that power room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not drinking a Corona. <laughs> Modelo. Yeah. Now, you know what the interesting thing is in that, that these were people. They, they, they were all volunteers. They all saw themselves as volunteers. And they all were trying to create the best that they could possibly create. Now, it could be argued politically and everything else. Yeah. But on a human level, they were very compassionate, kind people. And Dick Cheney, as a matter of fact, was so upset that Sununu wouldn't allow me to get up because I was turning all kinds of colors. I mean, I was sick. <laughs> I was sick beyond sick. I couldn't yeah. walk. I, and how I, old were you at this time? I was 17. 17. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Dick Cheney said, enough. 
enough. That you you got to. And he said, no. If this kid wants to be a man, he's got to sit down and smoke this thing to the yeah. end. So there I am for an hour and a half. <laughs> Dr. Rice. She, she, Holding this. Yeah. Like this. <laughs> Dr. Rice couldn't handle it anymore. She left. Yeah. General Scowcroft was there. Um, uh, Cheney ended up. I think he ended up leaving after because everyone was smoking a cigar. And here I am. Finally, I remember getting to the bathroom. I was wonky. <laughs> so Nunu's laughing his ass off. Dick Cheney's saying it's not that funny. And that was my first experience. I ended up having a hangover. I, I didn't work the next day. <laughs> and mind you, at the time, I was working a staff position, doing photocopies, and driving. So I was doing motor pool. Yeah. So I, here I was, a, 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 a volunteer driver. We'll put a disclaimer. Allegedly, right? Allegedly. This all happened. Uh, uh, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> we want something coming back all of a sudden. Robert, uh, what was that you were talking about? 17 years old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But, but talk about a privilege, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who would think that a kid, my, my dad would volunteer over at the sheriff's department in East L.A. He would volunteer. There used to be a boxing club. And here I am as a kid playing, throwing rocks in East L.A. with my dad volunteering, doing Lucha Libre in uh, East L.A. My dad used to no do way. Lucha Libre there. And, and what ends up happening? Here I am with all these powerhouses. And that trip was actually, I think it was the trip for the, no. It was before the trip for the L.A. riots because I did the L.A. riots trip. Wow. So when the president came out. Yeah. So it, it interesting. And, and talk about like an experience, right? Like uh, we, you know, we talk about this with every every guest we usually uh, uh, have on, on the podcast where, you know, your life experiences definitely mold you. They, they make you who you are. And it definitely guides you in a different direction depending on how you take it. I mean, talk about experiences, right, and, and where this takes you. Um, I mean, aside from being a great story, I'm pretty sure it's impacted your life in well, terms of what, how you look at life well, now, well, right? Well, curiously enough, it was interesting. So that was for 41. For 43, uh, which was President Bush uh, Jr., Jr. Yeah. Um, when when he became president, I, I, I worked with him, and I was very grateful that I knew the cabinet secretary. Um, and Brian Montgomery is such a great guy. He, he allowed me uh, to, to go to D.C. And, and do all that work in D.C. But what was interesting at that point um, regarding the opportunities, I was in a position where, I, and I won't mention the name, but it was basically the California chairman, um, you know, big fundraiser guy. Yeah. And I'm the one telling him no, and he's arguing with me. And the president's telling him, listen to this kid. He knows what he's talking about. No way. And it was a unique thing to be in that environment. Because as you are in that environment, um, you're able to see the nuances, and you're able to see people's motivations. And you're able to see, you know what? just because you have money doesn't make you a good guy. I'm not talking about that person in, in particular, but a lot of people want to throw money at politicians yeah. for power. Yeah. And they want the power to bend people and the power to... And it's so neat to see the integrity. And I hope there's still integrity in politics. Or, or lack of. Or lack of, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I saw the integrity of people saying, no, absolutely not. You can't buy your way in. You can't... So I remember seeing... People turned away with checks that wanted to go in, you know, and they're willing to pay cash, pay whatever 
to get into a place. And it's like, no, you're not welcome here. Yeah. Um, which there's actually a, an argument recently about the white nationalists um, trying to, you know, buy their way in the Republican Party and whatnot. And there just has to be no place for them. There has to be no room. We have to draw the line and say, guys, that's not what the party's about. Remember, it was founded by Abraham Lincoln. It was an anti-oppression stance of no slavery. I mean, that's a far cry from white nationalists. Um, So it's sadly now all of those people that I'm mentioning are now considered the rhinos. They're now considered the untrue Republicans. They're not the real people. And it's like, well, then good for that because I don't want to be associated with white nationalism and, and, and that kind of thing. And hopefully things turn over back to reasonable reasonableness of community and yeah. caring and compassion and that's what that, that was the term used it used to be called compassionate conservatism yeah you know being compassionate and lee atwater he was a hell of a guy by the way you guys would have loved him lee lee was the party chairman uh in the 80s and lee had this idea he called it the big tent and we have enough room in the gop for the big tent which was we've got enough room for anyone i don't care who you are. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're Latin. I don't care if you're Latin. It doesn't matter what you are. There's room for you because if we simply help provide for um, the basics, which is a growing business environment with the ability to be able to produce and not just be consumer related, if you can just focus on the few things, you don't need to focus on anything else. And you don't have to talk about anything but you know it's so funny one one of the one of the spearheads of the the gay marriage movement was actually uh dick cheney and people don't even think about that because his daughter was gay so he really helped propel that and i i know this is counter social counterintuitive counter especially with him his position yeah i mean you don't think yeah Yeah, you and and you think conservative you think you think you think wow that that would be polar no it wasn't it wasn't and 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 reagan had a huge uh uh, gay community following along with a large uh jewish following um it is you know very pro-israel so it's it's a very intriguing interesting perspective and being able to participate that gives you a better perspective, yeah. which, which oddly enough, there's someone running for city council now, um, Mary Solens, and and she asked me because she's known me for a very long time. She goes, "How do you feel about an endorsement?" And I said, "For you, Mary, you care about the community, absolutely, totally, because we need people that care about community." Yeah. Now, I don't believe I agree with every single nuance. Uh, actually, one of them that we had an argument about was the ADU mm-hmm. because she's very interesting in her perspective. Upon discussion, she said, Robert, we're talking from the same position. And we are. It, 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 it's, it's a very interesting path that she takes, but we, 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 we make sense on, on the merit. And it's so interesting because... Until we can see past party line, yeah, and until we can say you're part of my community, and let's see how we achieve things, then the only thing that matters is people that care about the community. Yeah, 
So if people care about the community, we want the best for it. No one wants rampant, uh, you know, uh, uh, thievery and 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 any type of uh, injustice or anything like that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants all the retailers boarded up, and nobody wants that. No, yeah. nobody wants. We all pretty much want the same thing. If we can get past that stupidity of arguing politics, yeah. if we can get past that, and and obviously Mary's a you know big Democrat, and and uh, but even she said, "I'm not a Democrat for Whittier. I'm actually a Whittierite for Whittier. She's actually yeah. a community member for Whittier." She said, "I'm not putting my politics out there." Yeah. And I love her for that, which is why I endorse her. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's big, right? I mean, you talk about, like, uh, again, Whittier is such a small town um, that you want to be able to have somebody who really cares about it and really propels it to where it should be. Um, you know, you, you got different stance in terms of where it should be. But I think as long as you have the right driving force to kind of get us there, I mean, it, all for it. I and mean, the right intentions behind yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and, and the intention is when I live here, I think we all want the best yes. for, for what's here. Now, there might be different roads to get there, yeah. and, that's, and, and that's where we have to lose our opinion. Yeah. We have to lose our opinion. Now, obviously, there are, there, are, there are lines that we say, okay, we're not crossing that line. Yeah. But I'm just saying, hey, just because you might be this party or that party or libertarian or Democrat or Republican, that really shouldn't matter at the city council level. No. Because I'm sorry, everyone that volunteers on the city council, they're volunteering. Yep. I know they get paid. They get paid a stipend. Big deal. They're worth 180 grand a year. Yeah. They're not getting paid 180 grand a year yeah. for the amount of work that they do. Yeah. It's like, who's going to give it up? It's like me asking you to give up your business. Me asking you to give up your business. I'm pointing at both you guys. <laughs> and, and saying, okay, now, now let that go and go volunteer for a couple years. Yeah. How the hell do we live? No, yeah. So it's not about it. So it goes back to this privilege thing. It's actually about the financial privilege. We need to be at a place where we need to encourage one another enough to reach a status financially that we're able to have the privilege to run for city council or yeah. the privilege to, to do our things or be post-career to be able to do it yeah. in, a, in a retirement or a pension kind of yeah. way. Yeah, no, definitely. So, so what drove you? I mean, <clears throat> I don't think I, I'm not a big I'm not big into politics, um, and for me, it's one of those things where, like, if I can stay as far away as politics as I can, you know, I'll do it. Um, what drives you, or what drove you away from politics, and kind of focusing back into, you know, obviously your business and creating something here in Whittier? Now, now remember, I considered myself apolitical. Because at no point did I ever argue politics with anyone I worked with. I was a kid from East L.A. that had the opportunity to participate in politics at a national level. At no point did I ever argue politics. At no point did I ever speak merit on politics. At no point. But I definitely gave perspective from a kid from East L.A. And that, to me, the best thing we can do when we, we, we have to be genuine in yeah. every situation that we're in and the best thing we can do is be a road sign to really express a perspective that we are coming from because our perspective might not be known or considered in a higher echelon and understanding that people that don't have access to 
health care, let's say, or don't have access, and we could argue, hey, health care is for everyone. Well, you know, there's a marginal group of people that are undocumented that are afraid. They're afraid to go that route. And, and, and thankfully, Whittier Host Lions, we're doing this donation program with the eyeglasses yeah. where we help the marginal. We help those people that are marginalized, that are forgotten, that are kind of, they fall through the cracks because they're afraid. They're afraid of immigration. They're afraid of, of undocumented status. They're afraid of all these things. I'm grateful that we can help those people. I'm grateful that we can help people um, that we don't care what your legal status is. We don't even care uh, when it comes to uh, some of these scholarship programs that we do. We do a scholarship program for kids that are D students that have excelled from F to now passing and they're, they're in the DC range and they're really trying because they come from circumstances that are not conducive to education because they're dealing with stuff at home. Yeah. And for us to be able to now give them a small scholarship, a stipend, so that they can go to Rio Hondo College and, you know, they have two, two years paid free from Whittier and you would think... Whittier's giving two, two, two years paid free for any type of, of, uh, of schooling that they want. Or if they want to go to a trade school, they can go to trade school there. I mean, forget about minimum wage. They could make 50, 60 bucks an hour if they're a plumber, electrician, body man. I mean, that's, that's what the focus has to be. We have to empower our community. So. Uh, and obviously you're, you're heavily involved in a lot of things here in Whittier. Um, and, Currently, plus in the past, right? Uh, where do you find all this time? <laughs> like, how do you... Well, I'm not your traditional or conventional businessman. Um, I actually do business by way of purchasing, not by way of selling. So I have um, I have salespeople at the store. Uh, I am hyper focused on how we buy, how we process our clothing, and you find myself here at my office, and either doing phone calls or contract negotiating or setting up the next buy. And that's how I find time is I'm not physically at the store. And that's why a lot of people, they might not even recognize me except for old customers because I, I don't spend time at the store. And honestly, if our focus is the young teen market, if it's 12, 13 years old to 16, 17, who wants an older guy <laughs> sitting behind the counter, you know, helping little girls? That's not me. It's never been me. We have these beautiful young ladies that work for us. And I, I would say work with us. They're part of a family group. And really, their integrity, their intention, their, their, their grouping, who they are, that's the lifeblood of the business. And I'm grateful to have such talented people working with me. I'll never say for me. Uh, I'm grateful to have them. And uh, and a lot of it has to do with the fair pay and making sure they're taken care of, giving them opportunity, and also knowing that all of those people that helped me have helped me in the past, I don't own any of them. I mean, they're all free-willed to go somewhere else, and I encourage them to excel, to move up in career, to level up, to really do well. So that's how I find time, is I'm not there I work two days a week, so that that's that's how I find time. Yeah. Two days a week. <laughs> What's your we're schedule wrong, like? We're in the wrong business, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? we have to I work up. two days today. Melrose <laughs> <laughs> Vintage 2.0. <laughs> 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 
Well, you know, post-COVID, we changed the hours. We're only open Thursday through Sunday. And Thursday, it's noon to 5. Sunday's noon to 5. Saturday's 11 to 7. And Friday's 11 to 7. So we're talking about a minimal schedule. Yeah. 16, 18 hours And the reason week. why, we don't have product. We do not have product. If we had product, I'd be open seven days Longer, a week. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I come out of the office, there's always a line for, oh, for, oh, when man, for that, you guys open. And it's like, you, you, I'm like what you, are they doing? You make away? me feel really good I'm when like, you say that. I'm like, are they giving away stuff? I'm yeah. Go make line. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a cheeseburger in there I can go get? <laughs> free, free food, yeah. No. <laughs> No, it's a, it's again it's a it's a hot store. Uh, again, I don't do as much shopping as I you know as I should. <laughs> Apparently, <probably>. just <laughs> but it's Jeep. a hit, black shirt, huh? But it's Real a hidden gem, buddy. man. A hidden gem, and it's true. Once you see, if you see Mike and uh, you ask him yeah. where his gear's from, every time I, I, he's, uh, I see him. And, and I think he's a perfect model too, yeah. man. It's like oh, he is because he's very like expressive with it. Yeah. Yeah. You ask him, he's. <laughs> That's his default, and it's funny because it was a pink shirt. I remember, like, like more recently, salmon probably. Yeah. Not yeah. Pink. No, it was, it yeah, was we pink. actually say pink. salmon. That's yeah. he's right. Okay, we don't say the word pink. Well, it was it was a sa- <laughs> hot salmon uh, <laughs> uh, shirt, and uh, it was pretty cool, man. And again, it goes with what he's got, and I'm like, cool shirt, man. Yep, Melrose Vintage. You know, like <laughs> Mike right. can pull that. If you're not pulling it off. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. He's Mike's a, a cool guy. He's a perfect yeah. model. You know, man. he used to be the manager of Music Plus. No way, really? Yeah, really? he was the import manager. He would get all the cool clothes. So if you wanted tickets to the hottest shows, he was the guy with Ticketron. He could get the whole thing going. No way. And I remember waiting in line at Music Plus. Or was it Sam Goody? Sam I think it was Goody Sam Goody, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, not Music Plus. It was Sam Goody. So I remember him back in Goody the day. Goody got it. Goody, Goody got it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, that was him. And actually, Mike was in my wedding party. No uh, way. Yeah, no way. he's... He's a friend. He's a good nice. friend. Nice. And I, I appreciate him tremendously, and, and he encourages me constantly. We encourage one another. Nice. But it's also this encouragement, Jesse. If we don't have a community of business owners that encourage one another, yeah. we're, we're lost. Yeah. We you're really independent, are. You're independent. You're floating on your own island. Yeah, and, and we, can't, we can't afford, as, as business owners, we can't afford to do that. We have to care about our neighbor. Mm-hmm. We have to care about, about our friends. We have to care about each other because if we don't take care of each other, no one's going to take care of us. And for us to think we're going to wait in line on a government free cheese, yeah. I mean, that's a trap. Yeah. That is really a trap. And, it, and, it, and it's unfortunate because that, that causes a real enslavement mentality of, of waiting. Waiting, yeah. And we can't afford to wait. I, I always express to my friends, you can't afford not to work, even if it's Home Depot or mm-hmm. wherever. It doesn't matter. You can't afford that day of lost wage. Yeah. Because if you have a day's lost wage, you start backing that up to 30 days. You start backing that up to yeah. half a year. Yeah. Even if it's piddly wage, yeah. you're, you're, you're not achieving that goal. Now, if it's spent for education, if it's spent on a purpose you're and a cause, it. you're yeah. investing in it. Yeah. But when you're not investing in it, if you're not getting your real estate license, if you're not getting your, your cert- certificate, if you're not getting something in the process... You'll never recoup that half year. You'll never recoup that year. You'll never recoup that over. And right now, my biggest encouragement, because even post-COVID, people are very afraid. Yeah. Um, in that, I keep telling them, get an education, get a certificate, get a degree, mm-hmm. get a master's. Yeah. Go to, Robert, I can't afford it. I said, you can't afford not to get it. That's right. And right now Wait is the time five, to do it. Wait years to yeah. see if you can afford it or not. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and knowledge is not a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. If you have knowledge, it just no makes... No one takes it away from you. Yeah, it, and it gives you another key. Yeah. 
it's interesting you say that. So I had a, I was having a conversation with a contractor, and uh, you know I was going into details on a specific topic, and I was you know I was like you know what I'm not going to bore you to death with the details you know, but essentially we could do this. He goes no 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 no, give me the details because in my business the more knowledge I have the more value I'm able to bring to the client, and I was like you know what I didn't I, like. I didn't think about it that yeah. way, you know. <laughs> now right. I'm gonna, instead of saying I'm going to bore you with the deeds, I'm like, do you want to learn something? Because <laughs> you're right. Once you look at it with a different perspective, I mean, it's uh, you could go places. It's uh, S- sadly our opinion gets in the way, Jesse. Yeah, my opinion gets in the way of your knowledge, and we have to learn how to set that mind aside, hear what you have to say, and then disseminate what you say and translate yeah. what we can benefit from that. Because just cutting you off. That, that doesn't benefit anyone. Yeah. And most people are listening with the intent of, okay, just finish so I can tell you what I want to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Versus actually truly listening to what someone is willing to say. Yeah. I, I, I think if anything can be said w- regarding this podcast, conveying opportunity lies within ourselves. We just have to be open to it. And if we set up our opinion greater, then our offenses will be the only thing we have and I'll be offended by anything you have to say so taking that away if if I'm not offended by what you have to say I can hear what you have to say and then maybe that can benefit me even though I don't agree with you that could possibly benefit me and I think that is really important especially in today's climate because everything's so polarized and it's easy to hate someone it's easy to to just shut someone down um, sadly, people are joining teams. I'm on this team or I'm on that team. Yeah. You're on that team. Yeah. I'm on the other yeah. team. And there's no team here except for, for me, is the community team, yeah. which I want to be part of. Yeah. I want to be part of a community that's greater, that that succeeds and, and has um, a real benefit and profit for the future that that we actually build something yeah and the only way forward is is to be able to work together not individually and it speaks a lot uh for you being here in whittier and more specifically in uptown for 30 some years i mean there's a reason why you're choosing to stay here right um uh, aside from that also choosing to participate in different organizations i mean i know when before we started we started talking about what you're involved with I mean, you have some pretty lengthy history uh, being involved with the community, and and that's always key, right? Uh, And like I said, uh, growing up, it drives you to where you want to go and how you kind of give back to the community or how you get involved or stay involved. Um, I mean, you want to speak about any? Well, and, and, and I know we're running out of time right now. We're running late, but it's interesting. When I grew up, I remember I, I was part of the American Red Cross. And I became one of the directors locally um, with Samantha Rideout, which was my um, my head. And I, I was part of a disaster action team. And I remember my father telling me, because we're talking about now my father, completely different generation, came here with struggle. He really struggled. He worked three jobs. He was a butcher. He was a, a maintenance man. He was a truck driver. All three jobs working so that he could afford just to pay for home. Um, and, and the man truly lived the American dream, um, where he started investing in real estate. He went to night school to get a real estate license. And if it wasn't for his struggle, I wouldn't be here. So let me 
let me start this with that. Yeah. Yet, in his perspective, me volunteering at the American Red Cross was exploitive. Mm. Me volunteering in politics was exploitive, that they were exploiting me as the little Mexican kid, as the kid that, that was the token. And I understand that perspective coming from someone that sees it strictly as money, dollars and cents. What he didn't see was what he couldn't see. He couldn't see the different levels of social groups that I was a part of that the American Red Cross allowed me to be part of when I sat with them. That when I met Elizabeth Dole, uh, which she was the national chairman, and I worked with Samantha Rideout, and, and a decade later she was the head of the Boys and Girls Club. I, I know what that brought because that integrity that you serve as a volunteer then gets passed over and you're recognized when you're older by heads and people that recognize you. And now you walk into a room and people know who you are. Yeah. And that ideal of service, we have to really, I don't care what level you are financially, societally, if you can start volunteering in a good cause, a national cause, a cause that is beneficial for the community, then that will reap its own rewards, especially if you serve with integrity. Not, not that lackadaisical, ah, oh, man, I got to do this again. Yeah. No, no, I mean yeah. real service where, where you put yourself out there and you do the best you can and you, you clean the toilets and you, you fix the stuff and you do the cleanup and you're the last guy to leave the party because you help fold the chairs. You really have to have that integrity and you have to sow it into the community yeah. so that community leaders then can identify you. And through that, you build a reputation. And that's very rare, right? Because a lot of people will be the first to leave, will be that. So honestly, They're there for the party. Yeah, we're there, <laughs> exactly. So I think that goes a long way to building your you know, relationships, your reputation, but, but, and what people but, expect. But, that but again, as much as I love my dad, my dad couldn't be further from that yeah. point because he really, truly thought I was wasting my time. Yeah. He really, truly thought... And here, I, would, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved being part of the Civil Air, Air Patrol, which I was part of. I loved being part of, of uh, the American Red Cross. I loved being part of, of all of these different community groups that I was uh, affiliated with, that I worked with, and along with the Whittier Host Lions now, which, oddly enough, the person that gave, gave up their seat for my appointment was Mac McFarland, which was Whittier's very few one of Whittier's billionaires uh, that passed away he actually handed me the board seat and he kind of stuffed it down everyone's throat (laughs) (laughs) and put me on the board of Whittier Host Lions and and God bless Mac 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 was a big oil guy and why that guy would would trust me that with his most valuable possession which was a seat on on the board of directors because we have a voice to vote on where money goes, how money's distributed, and we're sitting on a $2 million endowment. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a voice. And to be respected in that, I mean, who would have thought? The kid from East LA. Yeah. The kid from Humble Beginnings that was throwing rocks over on Hazard, you know, uh, over at the sheriff's station. I mean, what? What am I doing here? And, 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 and then decades later, I was there 
uh, with first responders as the President of the United States inaugurated the emergency, uh, uh, they have an emergency uh, uh, office there for FEMA. And it's like, wow, what, 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 a, what an interesting thing. And it all goes to service. It goes to motivation. It goes to, to community. And we just really have to give ourselves to that. But sadly, people don't want to pay the price. They want the shortcut. Yeah. Give it to me now. I want it now. And it's that whole McDonald's drive-through mentality. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. We, we have to get back to basics. But we have to counteract this idea that somehow you're a token. We yep. have to really counteract that. And it's hard. From an immigrant perspective, it's hard to give away labor. Because, hey, we, we need to pay the bills. Yeah. We need to buy gasoline. We, need to, we, we got a light bill that needs to get paid. How the hell do you do Well, you, you work harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that because, uh, uh, you know, especially where things are at right now with the escalation and everything kind of going up, that's always like the, the new topic is like how do we make, you know, means to kind of cover some of that cost. And it's not, you know, you hear some people saying, well, that just means you got to work harder, right, or longer or, or so forth. But for me, it's like, you know, we almost have to, you know, tighten that belt a little bit to kind of make things happen. Um, but again, it all comes back to how you were raised, the experiences you went through, and what kind of drives you in that direction. Um, well, let, let me tell you this, Jesse. If any of your listeners have a car payment, get rid of the car, buy it cash. And you know what? That's not the nicest car you can get, but that's what you can afford. Yeah. Drive what you can afford. Yeah. That's the first rule. <laughs> Don't have a car payment. Yeah. Get rid yeah. of your car payment. Yeah. But there are so simple, basic fundamentals yeah. that people can do and people don't do because they want the shortcut. I want the big house on the hill. Well, now you're indebted to that big house on the hill. Yeah. You got to pay the taxes. Yeah. Jesse, I think all of us want to live on the hill. Yes. <laughs> but do we? No. <laughs> Why? Because we live within a means where we're not struggling for that next. We don't want to lose the house in one payment. Yeah. And then we're struggling for that next payment. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it, it's so hard culturally, though. Yeah, yeah. And yes, we deserve it. Absolutely, everyone deserves it. Yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. We got to work to it. It's funny you said about throwing rocks to the sheriff's station because I'm wondering if I threw the same rocks to the same station. <laughs> was that you, Jesse? Was, was that you? <laughs> it's like maybe it was a trend at that back then that we had to throw rocks at the station. So. I remember doing I didn't get that memo. You guys were troublemakers. Yeah. I should, you were, I should you were take no one. I should take the platinum label and yeah. just walk out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it's a, I grew up in East LA, and it's a, one of those things where uh, maybe it's the only thing you had to do, right? There was no arcades. So you had to go <laughs> through rocks. That's, that's all there was. there was. The streets were full of rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would skip them across the, <laughs> the parking lot. Caesar, yeah. Sa- Caesar Chavez Boulevard. Al- allegedly. Yeah. We'll throw supposedly. Alleg- supposedly. Supposedly. Supposedly we're doing it. Yeah, we don't want we don't want anybody coming back. None of these it. stories are factual; they're all uh, yes. fabrications. <laughs> <Yeah>. Make believe. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Um, in terms of uh, like, where, where do we go? Where do we go next? So, where do you go next? Um, obviously, we talked about the store. We talked about where where you've been. Um, where are you going with this? So, uh, so this this is a very interesting question. Remember, I came with an immigrant background. America was a land of opportunity. I'm always looking for opportunity. Uh, in my travels, I spend a lot of time in France, a lot of time in Europe. And in France, I see so much opportunity. I mean, so much opportunity. Opportunity in housing, opportunity in business, opportunity. And my focus, future, 
is to definitely own a property there. Um, not not to become a French citizen, but definitely to have an acquisition there to where we could have a family home there and a family home here. Maybe not the home I live in now. It would be a much smaller version. Not to say I live in a big home, but it would definitely be more like a one-bedroom condo versus a real house. Um, but the reason being that I want to go where there's opportunity, and I want to go and really live a, a nice end-of-years livelihood where I'm not struggling. I Sadly, it, oh, you don't know this. Yesterday was my birthday. Oh, happy birthday, man. (laughs) And you're helping me celebrate. That's why we're celebrating. That's why we're celebrating today. And and what's curious about that is, here we go, Central Coast. Uh, We spent some time in Solvang. We went up the coast. We're we're, we're at the beach, uh, Pismo Beach. And you see all of these elderly people in in RVs. And they're, they're living by the beach. And that's their retirement plan. I don't want that to be my retirement plan. Now, needless to say, most of those people are Anglo. Uh, I don't think that's the the Latin idea of retirement isn't to live in an RV, but it seems like it's the new American dream yeah. because they don't want to pay for housing. They don't want to pay for taxes. Um, I don't want to see myself in 20 years on the coastline in an RV. How do I, how do I deflect that? Well, we gather what we can here. We make an Im- impact locally. We We get a nice small place here locally and then, we have six months there, six months here. That, to me, is my end game. Um, it's never been about substance. It's never been about money. It's definitely been about maximizing what we have. Uh, look at the fancy watch I wear. You see that? <laughs> it's like mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's skin 30 every yeah, day. Yeah, skin, skin 30 every day. Um, we don't wear, and obviously you don't wear the, the, the branded clothing that's the most expensive of the day, nor do I. Um, we, I wear Skechers. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 I wear Crocs. We, we, we don't need stuff. And, and being contented with what we have and not needing things. We're, we're not paying credit card bills. We're not yeah. paying for all these big fancy dinners that we're trying to impress people that don't even care about us. You go to flight, which yeah. is a great dinner. It's a great dinner. You get something great for 50 bucks for two. I mean, it's like... 50 bucks? Yeah. What are you, flight, which flight do you yeah. get? <laughs> well, I don't know what you're eating. No. You're eating the porthouse. My wife is like, let's get this, let's get that, let's get that. I'm like, can't we just get one thing? <laughs> we'll share. We'll share. We'll share. No, no. We'll eat you, afterwards. Usually my, my bill's under 60 bucks there. Usually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's really nice, but, but again, what your expectations are. Uh, and, and again, even under $100, you end up with a, with a really nice, nice presentation, uh, a real treat. But what I'm saying is, if, if we're not busy getting in debt, then all that stuff goes to savings. And you're able now to maneuver yourself in positions, yeah. thankfully. Um, Again, I'm I'm not big on on substance and wealth, um, so I'm not looking to buy that new Bentley or the new this or the new that. Uh, but oddly enough, I am getting involved in a little bit of crypto, nice. and that just has to do with the idea of I know it's coming, and my opinion doesn't matter. It's coming, so we just have to understand and be open to what's coming. Yeah. And uh, Apple Pay now it does Apple Pay through crypto. So understanding that 
there are going to be new, unique opportunities. When I was in retail, the idea of getting a credit card machine was the end of your business because yeah. you have to pay all these fees. Yeah. Well, yeah, calculate the fees, add another 3% and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, people didn't want to do that. Yeah. There, there were people like Greenspans that did cash only. Yeah. And they're, I don't even know if they're with us anymore. So, I, I mean, that's, that's my, end, my, my end game is to, to enjoy a life of leisure. Yeah. And I hope that's your guys' end game. Every, every day. I don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come here every day. To your I was at the Huntington Beach having a cocktail. And, I, and Jesse in, said, hey. In your RV? You, yeah, in my <laughs> RV. <laughs> that broke down on the road, so I Ubered over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Again, it's, uh, you know, to your point, I, I think it's definitely, um, I think you go through life, you go through different stages. Yeah. In terms of what's important, yeah. um, and depending on and what, what you stage, value, exactly. Um, obviously, we're at an age where, or I shouldn't say age, we're at a stage. Uh, You're where, retiring soon, right? I know. <laughs> uh, we're at a stage where I think we we look at things a little different. Um, I think, like I said, uh, definitely your experiences that you go through uh, shape you, mold you. Uh, I think we've gone through several things uh, uh, experience-wise that we're we're now making decisions on where to go next. Um, I, I I wish everyone had the opportunities I did and I know that's not going to happen but being able to be chewed out by the President of the United States and for doing something knucklehead which I did and which, which is what? well I don't want to talk about it okay. but <laughs> allegedly but <laughs> allegedly yeah being able to be chewed out and owning it and understanding what you did you're not intimidated by any room you can walk into a room and it doesn't matter if it's Mr. Sterling which I did by the way uh, I, I, I met Sterling uh, from uh, from L.A., the, the guy that used to own part of the Lakers. And it it's really interesting. You're not intimidated anymore. So you're not intimidated by any personality because you got chewed out by the most powerful person on the planet yeah. for doing something so knuckleheaded that what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, what's the consequence? Well, the consequence is you got to own it and fix it. That's yeah. the consequence. Yeah. So now you're not intimidated. So I can walk into any room comfortably, yeah. play hardball. And that's what made me so happy to be part of, when I was part of the Whittier Uptown Association, I was president. And we were doing the BID process for um, the business improvement district for the redevelopment. It was so great to be in these hardball conversations. Yeah. You're not intimidated. Yeah. And, and we shouldn't be. And the fact is, some people in the, that room aren't intimidated, and others are. Yeah. So your powerhouse when it comes to real estate, your powerhouse when it comes to uh, architecture, no one can pull the wool over your eyes, Jesse. Yeah. No one can pull the wool over your eyes. You guys understand what's what. Mm-hmm. And that's the fact that you can walk into a room, you can understand. They don't necessarily know your needs. They don't necessarily know your wants. But we need to have that integrity, that strength to not be intimidated and and that'll get you places yeah just because you're able to endure and not be offended and not feel hurt and not feel like it's personal you know what and you hear it in business that was business not personal yes and no sometimes it is personal and they call it business Mm -hmm. but sometimes it is business and it's not personal and people that have a lot of power they don't care about you personally all they care about is making a, a sound business decision. That's right. So if you can make a money in your idea, they'll gravitate towards you. Yeah. Get a better idea. Yeah. 
get a better perspective. A lot of great wisdom here. Yeah. Uh, and again, I wish we could go on forever. Yeah, I think this uh, might be close to the longest podcast we've ever had. Just and, we can, hour and we can make it as long, right? It's just with so much so much great yeah. conversation. Well, actually, Jesse's whiskey's finished. He's either yeah. going to have to... And so yeah. is yours. you got to top it off. I, I, well, I did. And then I tap it off, but, you know, we're living out on ice. And whiskey without ice... <laughs> I'll go I'm get a, some I, more ice. No, no, I'm a cognac drinker, and so it's a little sweeter. Ooh, so whiskey... I, I've got cognac that was brought to me from the city of cognac, and I have it in my office. I'll, I'll bring it to you. There you oh. go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remo, we're going to have to make an exception yeah. on this one. <laughs> you know? My wife's like already messaging me where the hell are we have an event at 6 p.m. in about 45 minutes. And so. You'll look great in an Aloha uh, shirt. I, I, yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. I'm a very informal person, and it's a. Jacket and tie event. If, well, there's jackets and there's ties. If you want to go to Melrose, <laughs> no, there you well, go. Put a, <laughs> we got everything I, you need. I, I'm gonna put a sports coat over this. Yeah. And go exactly like Sold. Yeah. You're ready to go. <laughs> Robert, uh, anything else you want to talk about uh, in terms of? I know. Again, we we kind of touched, or we started with the Melrose. Touched. And, we and, just like laid on everything, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> well, and, and again, you, played the game. you know, yeah. when we when we uh, when we first started the whole podcast. Uh, when I say start, when we started the idea of having a podcast, uh, we were trying to figure out how to make it work without throughout the community. And again, we talked about interviewing businesses. We talked about interviewing uh, uh, individuals who are obviously giving uh, an impact to the community. Um, and you know, obviously, this becomes one of those conversations or interviews where where I think it's more on the impact of the community than it would be on the business side. Um, so I would say we would have to book it one more time just so we could kind of go the other direction. You, you just want to uh, smoke another cigar. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Come you, on. You, you know, Jesse, if, if, the, the final note I would say we have to encourage one another. Yeah. We really have to encourage one another as community members, as civic leaders, as business owners. We really have to encourage each other to do better. We have to encourage each other to have great customer service. We have to encourage each other to keep our appointments, to 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 do better for the community because what ends up happening you end up getting referrals you end up getting word of mouth you end up getting a reputation and that reputation is golden who the hell wants to be the guy that no one wants to deal with who wants to be the guy that's a shyster who wants to be the guy that's the cheater the shortcut guy the the guy that promises the world and delivers nothing we have to have that and we have to encourage one another to be that and it's Wonderful, and I'm going to talk about Mike again at the 6740. He really chastised me one time when I was so fed up with some problems that we had in Uptown. And he said, Robert, the only way those problems are going to be solved is if you get involved. And that kind of snapped me back. And he was right. The, we can't just sit around and complain. Yeah. We can't sit around and, and yap and say, oh, forget about it. It's all rigged. I don't want to deal with it. No, 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 no. we got to be part of the solution. And I know that's part of the Gandhi kind of, you know, be the change that you want to see. But it's true. If, yeah. if we're, we can't sit around and complain, we got to. And that's why I'm apologizing to everyone every time I meet them. Guys, Donald Trump wasn't a Republican. He was an opportunist. The, the, the guy doesn't represent uh, the, the entire grouping of people. Don't think because you're this or that. Stop labeling yourself that way. We're, we're community people. We're, we're yeah. people in the community. And we have to defend one another and we have to encourage one another. And that's really something that I want to convey because 
we have an opportunity every day to vote with our dollar and our dollar speaks volumes when you spend a dollar at my shop or we spend a dollar across the street or we spend a dollar at, at flight or we spend a dollar at uh at the 6740 we're voting for that member yeah. we're voting for that trust and i believe in that and i believe yeah. our dollar does have power and each dollar should be spent as a vote so don't don't buy on amazon buy local don't don't go to walmart buy local don't go to the starbucks shop at you know the the local coffee shops the little mom and pops yes you'll pay a dollar more yes you'll have to wait in line you know what the quality is going to be better you're affecting people locally you know what use a local architect use a local realtor use a local mechanic use and that's what we have to do because unless we do that if we're busy trying to get the best deal we're going to end up in the same place yeah not encouraging one another, not voting for one another. We're going to be voting for the big national firms. Yeah. And I'm really opposed to that. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> it, it, again, I could go on and on <laughs> on how, why that makes sense. Um, but to wrap it up and sum it up, we'll get into some wittier questions. So if you were to have one of your go-to spots to get a sandwich, a, a burger, a beer, a cocktail, a a ribeye, whatever it might be. What are your go-to? So, so those are my go-tos. All right. Go-to for a cocktail, the best one in Whittier, in my opinion. And I'm just a local uh, guy. No, you know, you know the president. <laughs> I, I knew So him. this means a lot. <laughs> so the, the best cocktail in Whittier, in Uptown, in my perspective, is going to be Gilded Hall. Really? They've got an amazing, amazing cocktail list. They'll make anything on the planet. They will do the best they can to do the best they can. And talk about mixology. They've perfected it. Yeah. It's the best drink. The the best meal, I would say it's a toss-up between Bodega and between Flight. Flight is fantastic. Bodega is a little higher up. What do you get at each so we know? Well, I'll tell you. You, you. you want an amazing tomahawk steak. When Flight has it, it's great. Bodega always has it. You want, uh, you know what's funny? The beans are incredible they're at Bodega. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> they yeah. are. They are it's incredible. It's like I, grandma made them. Yeah. That, I don't know who the hell made and, them, but they're like come yeah. from heaven and they yeah. drop on your plate. And, and, and if you want just a traditional home meal, uh-huh. a traditional home meal for me is Zumaya's. Mm-hmm. Zumaya's, it takes forever. Because they're actually making your food okay. to order. So Zumaya's the is great. back there. They're yeah, killing. Yeah, they're killing. <laughs> um, you want a sandwich, uh, you go to the 40 and a beer. You go to the 40. They have a great uh, uh, CBD uh, uh, drink that they have there. And across the street is Mimo's Cafe. Mimo's Cafe is, is my go-to breakfast spot. Uh, value, Ramon. Ramon needs everyone's vote. We, if we want places like Mimos and Ramon, the owner, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. We need to cherish him. We need to spend money there. We need to we need to vote for him because he's he's a great place to have sandwiches at. And like you said, you vote with your dollar. You do. You vote with your dollar, and you try to vote the most you can. And remember, those people are making minimum wage, mm-hmm. so you got to tip them as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, if you're gonna if you're gonna go out, don't go on the cheap. If you want to go on the cheap, cook at home. And when you have enough money saved up, go go spend some money. Um, honestly, 
all the places uptown, Steve's Barbecue, Havana House for Cigars. You Jesse's going to Steve's yeah. <laughs> right after this. At 6.30. At 6.30 Yeah, he's got a viewing party or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, we're invited to it. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, th- those are my local spots. Those are my local hangouts. Every spot in uptown I want to encourage and endorse, but those are the ones that you'll see me at. So if, if one thing is missing in Whittier that you would like to see here, mm. maybe some place you drive to, you know, what would that be? The one thing missing in Whittier. Wow. You are hitting me sideways here. <laughs> wow. And I'm not, it's not the Johnny okay. Walker talking. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I cherish, and you guys might look at me sideways. Something I, I love, I absolutely love, is duck fat fries. Mm. Fries, duck fa- fries, yeah, f- fries, fries made made in duck fat. Yes, fried in fried in fried duck in fat. duck fat. That is the best fries you will have on the planet ever. Really? Oh, yeah. the taste is extraordinary. I I learned about them in the French countryside in Burgundy, mm. and I spent some time there, quite a bit of time actually, um, months on end. And that right there has such a unique taste, such a unique flavor. You will become addicted. And I go all the way to Toy Pines to the lodge. To go eat duck fat fries. Wow. So I, I drive all the way down uh, to La Jolla to go get that. So there you go. Any restaurant listening, if you want to throw and introduce <laughs> duck fat fries. They're good, man. It's just, That's a one you've thing. had them before, too? It's probably not good for you. But yeah. No, no. Duck fat is omega. Is it? It's an omega okay. oil. It's uh, it's cholesterol-free. In that case, it's I'm going to start eating them more often. <laughs> you got to go to La Jolla, though. <laughs> oh. Um. Being, being that you've been here for 30-some years, um, what is one memory of Whittier that you have? One memory of Whittier. A good memory of Whittier. Um, oh, interesting Whittier fact. When I, met, when I met Jeb Bush, which is the younger son, mm-hmm. Governor Bush of Florida. When I met Jeb Bush, by the way, he speaks fluent Spanish. And I, I met him uh, because of his father. Uh, when I met him, he asked me where I was from. And I said, I'm from Whittier. He said, Whittier? You mean Kalima and Mar Vista, Whittier? I go, how the hell do you know Whittier? <laughs> he worked here. He put up a bunch of oil rigs. Oh, well, And he worked here for like four years. Wow. So Jeb used to come to Uptown, and he used to eat here. He'd stay at the, I think it was Hilton at the time. Uh, and and that was that was what he did. And, and that's one of the greatest memories that I had. But... I have memories, past memories of, of friends that are lost. They're, they're gone now. We had, uh, Whittier had a Brooklyn bomber, which was a, a Brooklyn Dodger uh, by the name of Jack Mealy. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and, and he went here to Whittier College, and, and he was former mayor of Whittier. That's a great memory that I had with him. He, when he died, he told his son, Vince, he said, Vince, I don't want you to do my funeral on the weekend of Robert's wedding. No way. And they had it so delayed so I could have my wedding and it wouldn't impact the wedding. And that right there speaks volumes for the community we serve in. Wow. Where the guy delayed his own funeral. <laughs> wow. And I, I think that's that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, those are some great stories knowing... Uh, you know how how Whittier gets you know yeah. uh, involved. Again, I could do this forever, but we're short of time. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Robert. Uh, again, we'll have to look for part two. 
All right. And uh, it was yeah. a pleasure and an honor, yeah. gentlemen. Thank you. Likewise, Whittier. Thank you. Bye, Whittier.